Our, our text for today is Ruth chapter 1. And, and it's, in fact, the entire book of Ruth. We had only time to read for one chapter, but we're going to talk about this book. I preach about this. I preach on this book a few times, maybe once or twice in the past. But in the past, I usually talk about Ruth. Because Ruth is the main subject of this, uh, of this book. In fact, the name title of the book is Ruth, right? But today I want to talk about another person in that book. And her name is Naomi. Ruth's uh, mother-in-law. You know, Ruth and Esther are the only two books in the Bible named after women. And... It's an entire, each of those books, Ruth and Esther, I hope all of you have read those two books. They're very short, easy to read. So I hope you read those two books in the Old Testament, Ruth and Esther. So reminding all of you, if you have, haven't read the book, even this week, maybe read these books again, Ruth and Esther. And there are movies, shows, uh, you know, uh, made for, uh, based on these on this two books, uh, especially Esther. I know there's more books and uh, movies on Esther. I think I saw one on Ruth. Um, and these two books are devoted to, devoted to the lives of these two persons. You know, Ruth is really about Ruth and Esther is really about Esther. You know, the, the background of Ruth is that she is a Gentile who married a Jew. And Esther is a Jew who married a Gentile. <laughs> you know, uh, the opposite. Both books talk about these women who are committed to do the will of God. If you've read those two books, you'll see women who, these two women committed to the will of God. Both of them, are significant part of the book, or part of the book, is a love story. So if you like to read love stories, this is, these are good books to read. You know, Ruth is a love story, part of it, and part of Esther is a love story. Of course, it's, a love story in, interwoven, you know, in the history of the Jewish nation as well. One was written, Esther was, uh, Ruth was written, or the, the setting of, of, of Ruth is during the time of the judges, while Esther is during the time of the exiles, when they were exiled in, uh, in Babylon, then later on Persia, but Esther was under the Persians. But, but not only that Ruth, I would, Focus on Ruth. Not only that Ruth is a love story between a man and a woman, because that's what you mostly expect. It's also a love story between a mother and a daughter. Mother and a daughter-in-law. Now Ruth was written in the days of the judges. It was written in the days of judges. And I entitled my message today, Sorrow to Joy. And it's the story of Naomi and Ruth. And what I'm going to do is, I'm just, if you haven't read the book, so I'm going to give you a summary today. But if you read the book, then hopefully you'll get some insights also. Then we're going to draw some conclusions, uh, application at the end of the message. So this book, the setting is during the time of the Judges, but many believe this was actually written after the time of David or during the time of David already, many years later after the Judges. And at the beginning of this book, uh, Suzette just, uh, Sister Suzette just read this. Uh, let me go back to that later. It talks about famine in the land of Israel. So, so during the time of the Judges, there was a famine in the land of Israel. And, and in, this, in this famine, in the middle of the famine... There was a man who lived in Bethlehem, and this man's name is Elimelech, Elimelech, and his wife is Naomi, and with their two sons, so, so a family, dad, mom, and two kids. At this point, the sons are probably younger in their teenage or maybe, maybe preteen kind of years. They were still young, too young to, mar to get married. They left. Israel, they left Bethlehem, and they were supposed to go to another country 
temporarily. The word there is sojourn, meaning they were supposed to be there temporarily for a short time. So, so they left Israel, they left Bethlehem because there was famine, right? There was famine. And so they needed to find a place where there's food, there's water, there's meet their physical needs. So they left Israel, actually left the country of Israel and went to the country or the land of Moab. So Moab is very close to where they are. Uh, it's, the next, it's just next door to Israel to escape the famine. However, when they reached Moab, the family, uh, you know, Elimelech, Naomi and their two sons, they ended up staying longer than expected in that country. So while in Moab, Elimelech died. The dad, the father, died. And Naomi is left with his two sons, uh, Malon and Chilion. That, that's how it's pronounced, Chilion. And so, after 10 years in Moab, the sons were probably in their late teens or maybe early 20s already. They married Moabite women. Uh, Malon married Ruth, while, while the while children married Orpha, not Ofra, or, Orpha. And so, they had Moabite wives. But after 10 years in Moab, both of the sons, Malon and Chilion, also died. You must have broke Naomi's heart. Now that Naomi in a foreign land, not knowing anyone except her two daughters-in-law, daughters, daughters is now a widow who is a mom of two widowed daughters. Think about the situation. You're in a foreign country. You don't know anyone. Your husband died. And both of your kids died. Very hard, right? And it did something to her heart, which we're going to look at later. So when, after 10 years in Moab, Naomi decided to go back to Bethlehem because he heard, she heard news that the famine was lifted already. The, the, the famine in Bethlehem was over. So she set out to return home. And of course, Ruth and Orpha were still young, probably in their early 20s or maybe mid-20s. We don't know. They were still young. And so she urged these two women, these two young girls, hey, go back to your mom's house. Go parents' house. Find another other husbands. Because I cannot anymore, I don't have any other sons to give to you. I don't have any more any man or child to give to you as, as husbands. If you know the laws of Israel. So that's why Naomi said, Naomi said those words. So she urged these two daughters. Three times, two to three times, urge twice uh, with Orpha and three times with, you, with Ruth, go back to your home, to your parents' home. On the second time, Naomi urged uh, Orpha. Orpha left. She kissed Ruth and said goodbye. I'm going back to my parents. Then Naomi, one more time, urged Ruth. Hey, Ruth, you also need to go back just like your sister-in-law. Go back to your parents. And Ruth stayed. She was determined to remain with Naomi. Now think about Ruth. She's, an, she's a Moabite. She's not a Jew. She's not an Israelite. She's a, her culture, her country worships idols. And one thing also to, note, to take note, these are the enemy of Israel. They're the bad guys. <laughs> They were bad, actually. They, 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 their, they, their worship is very ho horrible. They sacrifice. I think they sacrifice children as one of their form of worship. So, it's not a good place to be in. But here's this woman coming from that culture. She uttered 
to Naomi, to, his, to her mother-in-law, one of the most beautiful, most loving words of commitment a daughter can say to a mom. And she is not even her biological mother. She's talking to her mother-in-law. Listen to the words of Ruth, verse 16. And Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Wow. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Wow. Have you ever said these words to your own mom? This is a daughter talking to her mother-in-law. I don't think you ever, anyone here has ever said this to her mother-in-law. May the Lord do so to me more than also if anything but death parts me from you. Wow. Amen. And this woman was a Moabite. Comes from a culture that is an enemy of Israel. Did you know that the beginning of the Moabites began with an incest? These are the descendants of Lot and I believe his older daughter. Think about that. That's where these people come from. So what happened? Ruth went with Naomi back to Bethlehem. So when they arrived in Bethlehem, everyone in Bethlehem was excited. There was commotion in Bethlehem with the arrival of Naomi and Ruth. However, at this point in time, Naomi was so bitter already. She was in pain. She was in despair, losing a husband, losing two sons. And there was bitterness against God. I mean, like we can say, she was angry at God, probably never prayed again, never worshipped God again after this experience. And she, in fact, changed her name to Mara, which means God has dealt bitterly with me. He said, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. She, we can also say this in our own language, God did something bad to me. I don't like what God did to me. I hate what God did to me. You can say that she blamed God for, his, for her misfortune or what happened to her husband and sons. You understand the situation of Naomi, right? When you're in this kind of situation, you probably can feel what she's going through. Losing a husband and two sons. But God has a purpose, has a plan. Far greater, far greater than Naomi can think of or imagine. At this point in time, she has no idea what God's plan is. Why God allowed this circumstance to happen in, his, in her life. So by God's grace, God's blessing, she had Ruth with her. She, has, she had Ruth with her. And of course, they needed food. They needed to survive in Bethlehem. They were poor. They didn't have much coming from Moab, going back to Bethlehem. So Ruth ended up gleaning in the fields of a wealthy landowner named Boaz. So if you read Ruth, you know Boaz. In fact, Boaz is one of the guys in the lineage of Jesus Christ. If you read the lineage in Matthew, the Israelites by law, were commanded to be merciful to the poor. So every time there's a harvest, what the harvesters do and the, the owner of the land will do is that they will leave out the edges of the field. They will not harvest every part of the field. They will leave out the edges. And sometimes if they forget some of, their, of the things that they harvest, the sheaves, if they forget that, they will not take that back again. They will not go back and get whatever they forget. What they'll do is they will just leave it behind. Yung edges ng fields and yung mga nahuhulog and whatever they forget on the field, they will just 
say, okay, let's forget about it. We'll not take that. And the reason, it's God commanded them to do this. This is one of the laws of God, laws of Moses. Because this is where the poor comes in and they would glean on those. They will glean those leftovers. They will take those leftovers, pick those up for themselves. And because God commanded them to be merciful to the poor. So that's why the rich landowners would do this because it's God's command. And so that's what Ruth did. She went to this, to this field and started gleaning among, among, among the workers there. She actually didn't know who owned that land when she, she, she went there. And so what happened, it turned out that that land that she was gleaning, where she was gleaning was owned by a man named Boaz. And, and somehow Boaz was there while Ruth was there and he, he saw her. <laughs> hmm. Probably she got... He was, she got, he got attracted to her. But at this point in time, when Boaz found out that Ruth, this woman, was, was a relative of, of, uh, or daughter-in-law of, of Naomi, he showed kindness to Ruth, favor to Ruth while she was there, and, and, and allowed her to be among his workers. He even did what is needed to protect Ruth while Ruth was gleaning. Think about this. This woman is a foreigner. She's a Moabite. And at this point in time, Boaz did not know her. She just saw her and knew that this was the daughter-in-law of Naomi. But Boaz showed favor upon Ruth. And even, in fact, told her, hey, you need to stay among the women, among the young women, to protect her. Uh, And so... This is what Boaz told Ruth when she met with Ruth in the fields. He said in in verse 11 to 12. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. Oh, he already knew about her. How you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward will be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So just imagine the word wings there. It talks about God's protection. When you think of wings, it means protection. So when when Ruth went back home to Naomi, Ruth found out, or it turned out, that Boaz was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. This brings us to another law. So initially we talk about being merciful to the poor. That's one of God's law. But there, which this, uh, this knowledge that, that Boaz is a relative of Ruth's uh, you know, father-in-law, father-in-law and also a relative of his, her husband, this law is called the kinsman redeemer law. What is the kinsman redeemer law? According to the word of God, it's in Leviticus actually. Both is in Leviticus. Both laws is found in Leviticus. The kinsman redeemer law is this. The closest relative, the key word there is closest. The closest relative can redeem, assume, take care of the household of a dead relative, as well as his land and properties. So, so the, kin, the closest relative can redeem, take care, assume, the household of a dead relative. That's why Jesus often talks about, that, about this when, remember there was an account uh, where, where somebody challenged him, hey, what if this man uh, uh, had a wife and this man died then his brother took over. Then the brother died again. And another brother took over, became the husband and the wife, and that man died again. And, it, and then another, and, and then, then this person challenged Jesus. Now Jesus, all the brothers died. Who will be the husband of this woman in heaven? 
Of course, Jesus rebuked him and saying, there's no marriage in heaven. So no one shall be wife to no one in heaven because there's no marriage in heaven. Angels are not given into marriage. We'll be like the angels. So, so we will not anymore be husbands and wives in heaven, by the way. Friends, lang tayo dun. Or brother and sister. Sister Rella. <laughs> so, because, uh, you know, we'll be given in marriage. So, that, that's where this idea comes from, from the kinsman redeemer, because the closest relative takes over, you know. And so, when Naomi found out that Ruth was gleaning from the fields of Boaz, and, he, and Boaz showed kindness to Ruth, something happened to the heart of Naomi. If you read that passage, something happened to her. She just sort of perked up. Nabuhayan si Ruth ba? Asi Naomi. Parang she was encouraged when she found out that Ruth was working in the fields of, was gleaning in the fields of Boaz. What happened? Her soul somehow got revived at that moment and she found a new purpose. She found a new purpose. And what is that? To bring Ruth and Boaz together. <laughs> so the next thing she did, she revealed to Ruth this in, in, in verse 20 now of chapter 2. It said, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not, whose, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. The word redeemer there is the word kinsman redeemer, which is based on the law of Moses in Leviticus. It's not talking about, you know, a savior who will save her from their sins. It's talking about a kinsman redeemer. And so, Naomi sort of came back to life. And so, Ruth did not know the laws of Israel. She's from Moab, so she didn't know the customs of Israel. So, Naomi you know, begin the, began the process of training her, teaching her how to advise Ruth. Uh, how to, how to, began to advise Ruth on how to appeal to Boaz so that Boaz will become her kinsman redeemer. And we know that at this point in time, Boaz was probably already interested in Ruth, attracted to Ruth. Sabihin maganda si Ruth, probably. And so Ruth did exactly what Naomi told her. You, you can read about this in chapter, thir- chapter 3. It's a weird custom. <laughs> but you can read it yourself. And so Ruth did everything Naomi told her. And so when Boaz woke up and saw Ruth, this is what Ruth told Boaz at that moment. In verse 9 of chapter 3. I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are my redeemer. You are my kinsman redeemer. You might think Boaz has wings and he's going to... No, it means I find refuge in you. Let me find refuge in you, Boaz. You are my kinsman redeemer. And Boaz replied in verse 10, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter, yeah, that's, that's a sign when the word daughter there because Boaz was an old man, older man. I don't know if he's really, really old, but he's much older than Ruth. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Boaz was willing to take Ruth in. Very much, very much willing. As, as, as her a kinsman redeemer. But there was one problem. <laughs> there was one problem. Though Boaz probably desired Ruth already, wanted Ruth. There was one problem. Boaz is not Ruth or Naomi's 
closest kinsman. There was someone else. Uh-oh. <laughs> someone, is, someone else is much closer to Ruth as a relative than Boaz. Then of course, Boaz was a righteous man. He wanted to obey the laws of God. So what would a righteous man do in this situation? What would you do? Hmm. I'll take Ruth and run away? <laughs> no. He did what the law required. He let this other relative know about Ruth and Elimelech's situation. Of course, this other relative came and Boaz told this man, this other relative, hey, uh, 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 relative, well, the name is not mentioned in the Bible, hey, relative, you know that Elimelech died and his sons are dead and he left his property. Are you willing to redeem what belongs to Elimelech? And the, the guy said, yes. Boaz was like, I don't know, I'm just inventing what the situation was, <laughs> imagining what the situation was. Elimelech, uh, so, so he told the, the other relative, you're gonna, are you willing to redeem what belongs to Elimelech? Mal, Malon and, and Jillian and redeem this thing, redeem their, their properties. And he said, yes. After he said, yes, if you read that account, by the way, you need also to marry the wife of Malhon, Ruth. <laughs> when he heard that he needs to marry Ruth, he probably did it, I don't know, he probably, I don't know if he saw Ruth already or not, but he said, no, I will not marry her. I want out of this. So, so the deal was off. He backed out. That relative backed out. And Boaz took over and redeemed what belonged to Elimelech and his family and took Ruth as his wife. Hi, salamat. <laughs> I could imagine Boaz there. Hi, salamat, other guy. I think the other guy did not see Ruth probably. <laughs> now, Ruth became his wife as well as everything that belonged to Elimelech, Malon, and Shilion. So the, the last part of Ruth, of the book of Ruth, is a wedding. And eventually, Ruth conceived and bore a son. And the child's name is Obed. And Naomi became the nurse of the child, took care of the child. And this brought, I believe this really brought joy to the family, especially to Naomi. Uh, by through root, she had a grandchild. And in fact, at the end of Ruth, Naomi starting out as being sorrowful and sorrowful and despair, losing husband and a and two sons, at the end of Ruth, Naomi was joyful. In fact, she is called blessed by the Lord. Blessed by the Lord. In, 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 in Ruth 4, 14 to 15, it says here, talking about Naomi here in the end, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, that may his name, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be your to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons. Your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons. And this is God's plan. This is what God had in mind for Naomi and Ruth. You know, just think about these two women Special Naomi in despair, bitter coming back home from Moab, from Moab back to Bethlehem. Relatively insignificant in their society, poor. You know, a lot of people probably don't know her except those around her, friends, family. But you know, this is what God's plan is. Obed, the son of Ruth, the grandson of Naomi, became the father of Jesse. And we all know who Jesse is. Jesse is the father of King David. Naomi, through Ruth, is the great-grandmother of the greatest king of Israel. 
King David. And she is the ancestress of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Amazing. That is why we call Bethlehem the city of David. And that is why Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Because this is the background story of why is that. Because Jesus' ancestors, David's great-grandmother and great-great-grandmother is from Bethlehem. Amazing. God's plan for you is far more greater than you can think of or imagine. Sometimes our sins and failures, we think that we have no hope, that nothing can come, come, good can come out of our lives. Just think of Naomi. Just think of her. Let me give you a few things about Naomi so that you'll, see, you'll understand the gravity of the situation. Naomi and her husband, Elimelech, committed a grave sin. They did something terrible in the eyes of God, actually, when they moved to Moab. Naomi's sin led to grave consequence. The reason why her husband, husband died and her sons died, because she and her husband disobeyed God. They disobeyed God. You know, during the time of Judges, um, the Judges... This was not a good period in the time of Israel because there was civil war. There was so much idolatry going on in Israel as well and people are disobedient against God. They had no king and, and no one to lead the nation on a consistent basis. And so this famine that was going on in Bethlehem, this was a curse from God. This was a, a, a consequence of their sin. This was a punishment from God upon the nation of Israel, upon Judah, and upon Bethlehem. And, and we know of the leaders in Judges, right? We know of, of Joshua, uh, Gideon, Samuel, uh, uh, and who else? Um, Samson is also a judge. He's also in the, in the, within the judge. He was a judge also. So, Instead of showing, what's interesting about Ruth, instead of showing the big names in, in the Old Testament, you know, when we think of the judges, they were leaders of Israel, they, they're well known. Instead of showing the, the life of these big names, in the book of Ruth, what God did is he took time to show us the life of a humble family. The family of Elimelech and Naomi. They were relatively unknown but God took time to reveal to us the life of this humble family. And there was famine in the land. You know, this is a strange statement or an odd statement here because the word Bethlehem means the house of bread. That's the meaning of the word Bethlehem, house of bread. And you, when you try to say this again and combine those statements, there was famine in the land, in the land of, in Bethlehem. There was famine in the house of bread. <laughs> it's house of bread and there was famine. It really talks about God's judgment. Because when you think of the, when you, when you consider what happened during the judges, time of the judges, Israel usually, got, there was a period of blessing. There was a period of blessing. But after this period of blessing, when they begin to compromise with sin and they begin to fall into sin, and, and, and you see this cycle from blessing, they begin to commit sins, compromise with idolatry, compromise with the nations around them. Then after their, their, their uh, compromise with sin, what happens to Israel is they descend into, into sorrow because God would send a calamity to discipline them. God's purpose in sending those calamities is to ultimately lead Israel back to repentance. And so what happens is whenever so a calamity comes, a famine will come, God will raise up these judges to bring back Israel to repentance. And so when Israel repents now, blessing again happens. <laughs> then they go back to sin again, sorrow again. Then they will say, Lord, forgive me, repent. And blessing again. And this repeated over and over and over and over and over during the time of the judges. So, but God has a really a clear agenda, right? There's really a clear plan. Blessing, sin, sorrow, repentance. 
it's really this cycle. Meaning, the famine, it was not a random famine. There was a purpose for it. There was a purpose for it. And the first disobedience of Naomi and Elimelech, they left Israel. God had a reason why they had to undergo, experience that famine. Because God's intention is to change their heart and their life. Lead them to repentance. But they escape. They escape. They left. They ran away. Instead of dealing with this famine head on, they left God's promised land. They left God's people. In fact, they moved to Moab, which is the enemy of Israel, a nation that worships idols. You know, the purpose of the famine is to bring Israel to repentance, to change people's hearts, to take you from sorrow to repentance. That was God's will. The will of God for them is to experience that famine, is to go through that famine. You know, sometimes you often think that the will of God is all good things. But you need to understand that, that, that some of the bad things in your life is probably right in the middle of the will of God. It's right in the center of the will of God, just like this famine. This was the center of the will of God. If you will escape that, if you run away from that, you will miss the blessing that will come out later. Just like our trials today, if you run away from those trials, you will miss the blessing that it will bring later on. This was their first disobedience. You know, Warren Wiersbe said, I, I like what he said here, there were three ways people respond to trials and suffering. One response is to escape, just like what Naomi did. He just escaped from the trial, from the problem, from the suffering. And they miss God's blessing. The repentance that it brings, they miss that out. You will miss God's blessing when you just escape from your trials. It's like, think of a conflict with your husband. Wives here. And you're going to say, I'm going to divorce my husband now because we always fight. That is escape. You just want to run away. Or maybe you can keep a job in the city, then you're just going to say, I'm going to move to another city because I cannot do well in the jobs here. I don't think it's the job that's a problem. It's probably you. Right? And if you're going to move to the city, you're going to take in you with you. <laughs> and you're going to face the same problem if you move to a different city. If you think that that's the problem. You know, that's how people respond. They, they escape from their trials, from their problems. Another thing is to endure. I know we are commanded in Scripture to endure, but that is not also the best way to respond. So escaping, enduring is not really the best way, although we are commanded to endure. Like for instance, if you're, again, fighting with your husband or wife, or let's say wife again, you're having conflict with your husband, you're just going to say, I'm just going to lock myself up in this room. I'm not going to talk to him. Wait for a miracle to happen. That is just enduring. You just wanted to, I, I, I'm going to endure to this, but I don't want to do anything about this. Maybe if you're, if you are, you cannot keep a job and you're being fired, laid off over and over because I don't know for what reason, then you're just going to say, oh, I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to stay away from people. I don't want to talk any, to anyone anymore. I hope something comes up. You try to endure to that problem, but you're not doing anything. Then that's, all, that's also not a good way to respond. In fact, those first two, if you were thinking like this in regards to your problem, that's sin. It's still sin. What God wants us to do, and I like, I'll explain what Worsby says here. The what word he says is enlist. That is what, how we should respond when we think of trial, suffering, difficulty. We should enlist. We should enroll. That's the word there also. You need to enroll into the suffering and into the trial. What does it mean? You need to consider your suffering as a gift. You need to consider your suffering as a servant working for you. You need to consider your suffering as a course, as a, like, like a degree, like a course you take in college. And I'm about to take a course right now. And once I finish this, this trial, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to have a diploma. I'm going to have a medal or something out of this trial. Because that trial will improve you, will make you a better believer, a better follower of Christ. 
your character will be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Maybe God wants to change something in your personality, in how you think and how you live your life. God maybe wants to give you a new ability, develop that gift of the Spirit within you. And there's no other way to do that except through suffering and trials. We don't really learn a lot from good times. Did you know that? We don't really learn much from good times. Walang masyadong improvement when it comes to good times. You don't really improve as a person. We mostly get better, improve in hard times. That's why I like what he said. We are to enlist, enroll. Naomi's second disobedience was going to Moab. They moved to a country that hated God, was against Israel. They didn't trust God. They trusted what they can do with him themselves. They trusted the Moabites more, what the Moabites is able to provide than God himself. And they ended up staying there for a decade and the other sin that they committed, not only running to Moab, to Moab but his sons marrying Moabite women. Did you know that that was forbidden by God for them to marry Moabites, Moabite women or even marrying with the Moabites? It was forbidden by God in the law of Moses. It was Bawal. So them going there is a sin. Leaving Jerusalem and Israel, leaving Israel, Bethlehem is a sin. Marrying Ruth and Orpha is also a sin. Because they, 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 they disregarded the laws of God. You know, understand why God disciplined them because they committed all these things against God. But you know what God tells us? Instead of running away like what Naomi did, we have this idea, okay, God, I don't like this situation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly away with my small wings and go somewhere else, find, find a refuge in somewhere else, go to Moab. I'm going to run away from Austin, which is what I wanted to do before. Because I didn't like my situation here. But you know what God says? God is not going to tell you to, to use your small wings and escape wherever you want to go. What God wants you to do, He said, He promised that He's going to give you a new set of wings. More powerful wings. Remember this passage? Isaiah 40, 31. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. You're, you're small, you know, sparrow wings or Mayana wings. God is saying, I'm going to mount you up with wings like eagles. I'm going to give you better wings, bigger wings. Stay where you are, but I want you to have, I'm going to give you bigger wings where you are right now. This was the promise supposedly for Naomi and this was the promise for Naomi and Elimelech. I want you to stay in Bethlehem. You're going to have bigger wings to deal with that famine. But they, they run away. Let's not be like Naomi at this point in her life. Second, in the midst of Naomi's sorrow, there was a new beginning. In the midst of Naomi's disobedience and sorrow, God was creating a new beginning. Remember this passage? We probably know this when we share the gospel. God shows us His love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Even as believers, when we are still living in sin, before you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God was already working out His plan to save you. This is what this passage also means, that, that while we were still sinning, while we were still living in sin, Jesus already died for you. You didn't just become saved just because you made a decision at one point in your life and accept Jesus. It, didn't, it doesn't work that way. God already works in you even before the day you were born. He already begins the process of wooing you. Wooing. Wooing. Bringing you into His kingdom by His grace. Then at one point, you hear the gospel and accept Jesus. Now, this is what Naomi missed. She was already bitter towards God, the situation she was in. In fact, he wanted to hide her sin because she told the, the young women, hey, don't, don't, don't come with me to, to Bethlehem because she didn't want 
people there to know that her sons, you know, married Moabite women and, you know, they compromised with the Moabites. That's why she wanted them, she desired to send them back home. But she failed to see a great blessing before her because right in front of her is Ruth. Right before her it was Ruth. That was the new beginning for Naomi. She was the new beginning for Naomi. And I believe that's the reason why we go to different kinds of difficulties and trials because God wants us to have a new beginning, a new direction in life. And Naomi still wanted to hold on to her past life, past self, past, you know, who she was in the past. But God was changing the situation, changing things before her. And she didn't, she wasn't aware of it. She wasn't. Ruth is the opposite. When, when Ruth came to know Naomi and her family, Ruth fully embraced. Even she said these words, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. She fully embraced the God of Israel. She fully embraced the culture, the, the laws of Israel. She fully embraced what Naomi and the family believed. And you think, think about Ruth, this was very different to her. And now she just gave her all. But Naomi still, you know, still. And we understand the pain that Naomi went through. Went through. That's why we can, it's hard also to say these words. But, but Ruth was sensitive to God's leading. And Ruth obeyed God. In fact, when she went to that field, she didn't even know it was the field of Boaz. But it's all by God's provision, providence. It was God who led her there, even though she didn't know it was Boaz's field, which led to her marriage to Boaz. And it was through Ruth that God redeemed Naomi as well. So the kinsman redeemer, it's not only redeeming Ruth, her, alone. Boaz also redeemed Naomi. Both of them. Both of them were redeemed. So I hope in your life, especially moms here, there could be roots in your life also. There are people in your life that are roots, that are, they are listening to God. They are faithful in their walk with God. And maybe they are encouraging you right now. And it could be a woman, it could be your child, it could be a friend, it could be a sister in the church, or it could be a man also. You know, like, like Ruth, who encourages you, reminds you of who God is, brings you back, takes you out of that bitterness, out of that pit that you are in. Remember we're talking about getting inside a pit and, 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 you know, and you need to get out of it quickly? Maybe that person can help you get out of that pit. When you fall into sin, you fall into a pit, maybe that person can help you back out, out of that pit again. Listen to your Ruth. Listen to that Ruth in your life. We need a Ruth, right? Very a person who can encourage you. We need that. It would be amazing if it's your own daughter <laughs> or child who does that in your life. It would be really amazing. Last, which I'm going to end in this, Ruth's submission leads to joy and blessing. Ruth's submission. Oh, sorry, Naomi's submission leads to joy and blessing. And you know how the story ends? How the account ends that Naomi was, has fallen into deep sin, despair, backslidden, yet God's plan and purpose is far more greater than what she can think of or imagine. And God changed the direction of Naomi's life to become the grandmother of Israel's greatest king, the great-grandmother and ancestor of Jesus Christ. The story of Ruth began with a funeral, death, it ended in a wedding, and a baby. <laughs> and a baby. And it was joyful in the end. I know this is the same thing with God for each of you. You know, God's plan for you is a good thing. It's a joyful thing. You may not see it now, but work through the trial. Work through the hard times. You know, if you're married, stay married. <laughs> Don't give up. Don't run away. Don't also just endure. Enlist. <laughs> Enlist. 
wives, if you are mothers, if you have a difficult child, don't give up on the child. Don't put him in a, you know, I'm going to put you on a, on a, a what do you call this, a boot camp or something. And you're going to stay there for a year. Hopefully they will discipline you, fix you. You know, you're the best person who can, who can impact your child more than any boot camp or any other institution or whatever. You are the one, parents. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the life of Naomi, Lord, and Ruth, Lord God. Such wonderful, amazing inspiration for all of, all of us, Lord. Our Lord, through their lives, oh God, we are able to see your plan, Lord God, that your plan is far more greater than we can think of or imagine. Your plan even spans generations, oh God. It spans culture, it spans nation. And Lord, what's amazing, Lord, even though how insignificant we feel when it comes to our own lives, how imperfect we are, how flawed we are, Lord, sinful, Lord God. Even sins that Naomi and her family committed, Lord God, were grave sins. And, and the sorrow she went through, the bitterness she went through, Lord God, was so deep, oh God. But Lord, what such an amazing outcome, Lord when you are at work, when we submit to you, when we listen to our roots, oh God, the people in our life, oh God, who listens to you, who is, in, who is faithful to you, Lord God, and who encourages us, Lord, who loves us, oh God. And we begin to submit to your will, oh God. And, and Lord, when we enlist in trials, we will not run away and we will not, Lord God, just, just merely hide and endure, oh God. Lord, you accomplish great and mighty things beyond anything we can think of or imagine, Lord. Lord, there's more to life than what we're going through, Lord, day by day, Lord. There's greater things, O oh God, that you have for us, O oh God, and even for this church, Lord. I, Lord, I pray that you enc your encouragement be upon every mom here, Lord, that they are encouraged with the life of Ruth and Naomi, Lord. I pray for every daughter also, Lord, that they'll be encouraged. They'll be like the Ruth to their, Ruth to their mothers, Lord. Heart that is pure. Heart that is obedient, O oh God. That whatever you lead them to, O oh God, they will embrace it with all their hearts. They will exercise faith in you, confidence in you, and will do anything according to your will with all their hearts, O oh God. Joyful in you, strong in you, O oh God. I pray for all our daughters here, Lord. But I do pray for all, everyone else, Lord, all the men and boys here, Lord God, sons. Same thing, Lord. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the, your word spoken today. And may your grace and mercy and peace be upon my brothers and sisters. Even those who are watching, listening to us online, Lord, may your grace and peace be upon them. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.